Pray with me, if you will. Father, we, we worship you. Jesus, you're worthy. We invite your presence in our lives. We invite your truth uh, to be spoken. Let us hear it with our ears as we read your word. Let us perceive it in our hearts. Let us receive it. Uh, we ask you to push out error, push out wrong thinking, push out uh, sinful ways, push out things that are not of you. As we want to fill ourselves and be transformed by your word, we want our minds renewed, God. And so as we look at your word, uh, give us new ambitions, Lord. Let us, let us lay down our worldly ambitions and let us take up holy ambitions. Let us lay down our aspirations and pick up what you would have for us, God. Let us lay down our visions that are not of you for our lives and take up the vision that you have for us, God, that we would be your people, that we would see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want to see it happen in our families. We want to see it happen in our marriages. We want to see it happen in our households. We want to see it happen in uh, our jobs and the careers that you have us and in the world at large, God. We want to see your kingdom come. That's why we're here. We ask you to move. Lord, I ask you to, to move through me, if you will, uh, to speak through me. We know that there are needs in the house. God, we know that there's needs, and your word has the answer. So we ask you to speak. We ask you to answer prayers today. We know that you're eager to meet us, God. You're eager to be near to us. You're eager for us to find you, to seek you. And so we pray today would be a day of encounter with you, God. Pray in Jesus' name. All right, if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, we're going to be going through chapter 3. It's about 16 verses. And um, it's actually, uh, you know, this, this fell to me, uh, I won't say by chance, but, you know, we don't, we don't sit down and decide who's preaching what messages. We just kind of allow the allow it to fall where it may uh, we believe the Holy Spirit's in that um, but this is a, a section of scripture that I've been reading recently and I've used it as a tool to analyze my life to analyze and take stock I, I've I'm 41 now so I just recently entered my 40s I'm at a different stage of life and I've looked at uh, these passages and I, I've used it as an analytical tool to to grade myself, I guess you'd say, um, and and uh, as I was sitting here thinking, I was thinking at, about especially the men in the room. We have a lot of you know young families. We have young fathers. We have young husbands. There's young men here today. There's men that are a little bit older than young. There's men at different stages in your life, and it seems like you know Scripture tells us that there's many many troubles. In the world, but if you are surrounded by troubles, I think the Lord would have you to step into that role, to step into that situation with Him to face those troubles. And if you're at a place in your life where you don't have, where you're coasting and everything's kind of going easy and it's not too challenging, I think He's calling you to step up or to step out into something new. And so we're going to look at. Uh, we're going to look at really the qualifications for overseers, for deacons. Um, we're going to look at Paul. He's writing to Timothy. Timothy's Paul's disciple. He's left him in Ephesus. He's got problems to deal with. 
and um, and he's instructing him on how to establish a good work and to see it maintained, to see it established and firm uh, so that it continues. And um, I'm going to pull my notes out here. And so uh, as we read this, uh, it begins. Verse three says, here's a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task or noble work. Okay, so working backwards, um, I think it's a good thing to desire a noble task or a noble work. That's something, one thing I wish God would put into your heart today. I think there are some people who desire to avoid work, who desire to avoid tasks, to, who desire to avoid challenges. And I, would, I think that if you examine that thought, you'll find at the root of it something that's unrighteous or not of the Lord. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's uh, unbelief. Maybe it's self-centeredness. Maybe it's laziness. So first of all, I want you to examine that part of your heart. Do you desire a noble task or do you desire to avoid any task? Are you living a life of escapism? Are you running from challenges, running from problems, avoiding them, neglecting them, ignoring them, delaying, dealing with them? Step up and step in to what God's calling you to. So Paul's saying, whoever, this is a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Um, This was a little bit of a challenge, I guess you could say, Somewhat, I had to work through this, a challenge to perhaps my worldview. Um, he says, whoever aspires to be an overseer, or uh, some translations say bishop, uh, whoever aspires to leadership. I am naturally, I think, skeptical of people who aspire to achieve position. People who aspire to leadership, who aspire to titles. There's something in me, uh, and I, I'll examine that with you a little bit. There's a natural aversion. When somebody's really ambitious for a position, I'm a little bit skeptical or suspicious of their motive. Is that in any of you guys? Uh, there's, a, there's a, I guess you could call it a syndrome. There's a thought process. They call it the tall poppy syndrome. I think it's uh, something from Australia, New Zealand. I actually heard Abigail reference this uh, last week. The tall poppy syndrome is it, it, uh, it's something that I guess is well known in Australia and New Zealand. If somebody stands up too tall, you don't want to stand up too tall, that person is like a target for being cut down. Like when somebody tries to raise, raise up too tall, they're a little bit too ambitious, a little bit too uh, trying to stand out above the crowd. They, they, I guess the thought is they need to be cut down to size a little bit. And maybe that's a little bit of what's going on. Um, uh, for whatever reason, I'm suspicious of those who desire to lead or who desperately want a position or a title or desperately want authority or power. I'm a little bit skeptical. Um, there's actually an archetype, being an English teacher, there's uh, an archetype in literature of the reluctant hero or the reluctant leader. And we see this in our movies. We see this in our literature. Um, 
I'm kind of a fan of the, the Lord of the Rings book. You know, most of the good protagonists in that book, Frodo, he's a reluctant hero. He's a reluctant leader. Uh, Aragorn, um, you know, there's two brothers in there, Faramir and Boromir. I don't want to go too deep if you don't know it. One of them's uh, ambitious for leadership, desperate to take roles, wants to be the leader. Uh, and he, uh, he's a fallen hero at the end, although there's a little bit of redemption. And his other brother's reluctant to lead, but he's kind of the one that, that really uh, is a more noble character, you know. Uh, if you look at movies like Gladiator, uh, Robin Hood, Braveheart, you have reluctant leaders. Men who are kind of forced into a situation. They don't really want to get involved. They kind of want to settle down to farm in a quiet life. The reluctant leaders. And we kind of look up to these people, I think. Is that... Is that uh, but I know, and I've said it to you guys often enough, when the Bible says something is good, you better adjust your thinking to believe that it's good. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. We have it in history. You know, uh, we revere George Washington because he was kind of a reluctant leader, and then he gave up. He didn't really care that much for the role of president. He could have really been made a king, you know, and he's kind of a, he's a, Almost, a, he's a legendary leader in in our own history. Um, in Roman history, there's Cincinnatus. If you don't know that, he he was a guy who stepped up into a leadership position. The city was under siege, and he led them to to victory to a safe place in only 16 days. And he retired to his farm when he could have claimed power. We we hold these people up. Uh, even in the Bible, we have reluctant leaders like Gideon. Um, Moses, you know, I was thinking about David. Uh, we we really revere David. He wasn't um, desperate for a leadership role. He wasn't uh, consumed with ambition, but he stepped into a role at the right time when he saw something needed to be done. Think about Goliath. He goes into camp. Goliath has been out there taunting, mocking, um, blaspheming God. For days and days and days. And no one steps into that position. And David sees a need and he steps into that role. It wasn't that he was desperate for fame. It wasn't that he was desperate for power. But he saw a need and stepped into it. You know, having read the scriptures, we see Jesus warning us actually about people who love positions and titles. He says in his woe to the Pharisees. Woe to you Pharisees. Um, and he gave a list of their description. He said they love the place of honor. They love the best seats. They love to be greeted in the marketplace. They love being called rabbi. They desire titles, positions, recognition, fame. And Jesus warns us against those things. So when Paul's saying whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task, he's not saying you should be power hungry, greedy for a title ambitious, you know, to climb the hierarchy and sit at, top, at the top of the ladder. Jesus gives us an example himself. Um, he said, uh, you know, remember when the disciples' mother asked if they could sit at the right and left hand in the kingdom? You know, they were desperate for a place, a seat, a title, a position. And Jesus told them that, he said, you know, the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, 
But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and gave his life, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus gives us the example, and really the perfect picture of servant leadership when he took the towel, and he washed his disciples' feet. He showed us the way that a leader is to be. To be a leader is to be a servant in the kingdom of God. To be a leader is to be a servant. In 1 Peter uh, 5, he's also, uh, this is Peter writing this time. He's writing about, uh, oh, I lost my place here. Um, He's writing to the elders, and he tells them that they should be eager to serve. They don't use their title or position for power, to be money hungry, uh, for their own selfish needs, but the right attitude for an elder, for an overseer, is to be eager to serve. And so I want to put before you today that we shouldn't aspire to titles. I'd say don't aspire to positions. Don't aspire to power. Don't aspire to fame or recognition, but aspire to serve. We're going to get into it, but aspire, and this is for all of you, even if you think I will never be an overseer or bishop or whatever the term that that you uh, apply here, you should aspire to be qualified in character and capacity to care for the church and to care for others. Uh, This principle exists elsewhere in Scripture. I I reference this a lot. I think about it often. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul's writing again, and he's talking to the church, and he says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. When a person enters into the church, right, Uh, or a sinner comes in, when somebody, somebody comes into the church, He's, he's referencing thieves here, but if, if, I could, uh, if I could apply it, maybe we don't steal you know, money and we don't rob banks. But a thief is someone, in essence, who is a consumer, like an unrighteous consumer. Would you agree with that? Like a, an unright, someone who consumes something that wasn't rightfully theirs, right? Okay? Um, and so some of us, are merely consumers without being producers. We're, we're takers. You know people who are takers? There are people, I, I have, I don't know, I just, I've encountered people, um, and I've been in, had titles or leadership positions at different times, and I've encountered people who um, you just get a sense that they just want to take and take and take and take. They want to, um, they want to be near to you so that they can, they can in, a, in a sense, just, just feed off, you know, whatever you have to offer. They're takers. And, and they want um, things that, you know, maybe they want affection or they want attention or they want um, influence that you could give or positions. They want things that uh, aren't theirs righteously to take and aren't yours necessarily righteously to give. This, this principle is let the thief no longer steal There's a progression from being a consumer, 
an excessive, unrighteous consumer to being a producer. Rather, let him labor, let him do work, honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something. So not only are you moving from just being someone either spiritually or physically, emotionally, someone who only takes and takes and takes from people, to someone who has some stability and um, through the Lord, of course, is able to care for themselves. But it doesn't stop there. He says, so that they may have something to share with anyone in need. So we're to move from a place spiritually, I would say emotionally, materially, physically, financially. We're to aim to move from a place where we are merely takers to where we can care for our own needs and then our own household. And we have abundance that we can share with those in need. I see that as a spiritual principle that as we grow in Christ, God is moving us towards. I was listening to a podcast. You guys know I do that. It was really talking about economics. It was talking about money, you know, like gold back currency and cryptocurrency and all this stuff. And uh, the guy being interviewed was talking about how, um, I don't know if he's a believer or not, but he referenced God and he said, it seems that God put into the natural world uh, or put into the earth naturally um, the proclivity for abundance. I don't know if that's his term. He said there's natural abundance in the world. You put a seed in the ground and you care for it. You just steward it and it multiplies. It comes back multiplied. He referenced sheep. He said, you know, sheep, if if a shepherd has sheep and he just gives it clean water, a safe place and, and abundant or, you know, enough food, those sheep will multiply at a rate of two and a half percent. And something went off in my head and I, I want to. You know, the, the leaders of the church in Ephesians, it says the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, they are there to prepare the people for the works of ministry, right? Those leaders in the church are actually, they're not um, exceptions, but they are examples. These overseers we see, they're not an exception. These aren't exemplary Christians that are, are, are just one-off and unique and they get it right, and everybody else, you know, is never going to live up to it. They're examples of what Christian character should be. And the leaders in the church exist to prepare people for works of service. And this guy was saying, you know, sheep, just if you care for them properly, they'll, they'll multiply at a rate of 2.5% naturally. I don't know if that's, you know, I'm sure there's across different breeds. Some sheep are probably uh, more abundant, and they have more offspring or whatever. But I was thinking in the church... What if that was a standard, brothers and sisters? Your leadership, the people who minister to you, we want to care for you well. And there should be a replication, a making of disciples, a bringing of people in. Uh, the natural is two and a half percent. Or two and a half times, sorry. So bringing in, maybe bringing into the kingdom, multiplying, sharing the gospel, discipling people. Let's see it. Two and a half times annually, bringing people to the Lord, walking with them. That's a good goal, don't you think? There's a natural abundance in the earth, and there's abundant resources spiritually that God has given us. So, 
That's a long way to say, if you aspire to be an overseer, aspire to serve, you should aspire to be qualified and prepared to lead. Don't be power hungry. Don't be hungry for recognition. Don't be hungry for fame. Don't be hungry for a title that people can put in front of your name and and call you that. Um, But work to be prepared to meet the needs of those around you. So uh, I said, these overseers, they're not exceptions, they're examples. Let's read some of the characteristics. Verse 2, now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. So I'd say these are character qualifications, would you not? A leader... Uh, a leader has, I uh, think, in leadership in terms of character and capacity. Uh, I just used that word because it has, starts with a C. A character is who that person is. Uh, the character, the quality of, of their integrity. And capacity is the leadership ability. There's some ability or skill that they have. And someone who, uh, we, we tend to see if someone has high capacity, We want to fast-track them into a leadership position. If they have a charisma, if they're able to teach, if they can talk in front of a crowd, if they have some skills, if they're uh, good with people, you know, if they're charming, they have some capacity, we want to, we think of them naturally as qualified or potential leaders. But if they don't have the character, they are dangerous people. People who have a charisma without character People who have uh, the ability to um, win people over, to make people like them, to, to draw a crowd. When they don't have character, you put people in danger of manipulation, of abuse, spiritual abuse, or, or, uh, or other types of abuse. You put people in danger when all you see is, does this person, is this person good in front of people? You see the capacity without the character. And Paul starts with character. He says, above reproach. Now, it doesn't mean perfect because we know, um, but there is a consistency, a consistent quality to their character that they stand out as being above reproach. There's not a long list of complaints and people that are behind them who are angry and disgruntled and and disaffected and burnt out because they've had uh, encounters with them, uh, dealings with them that were unsavory. They're above reproach. An overseer is faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable. That's a big one, hospitable. Opening your life, opening your home, allowing people access to your time and your attention. Able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. Verse 4, he must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. This is the one that kind of gets me, you know, like um, 
when I'm analyzing my life, I'm like, geez, I don't know, like some days uh, I think I'm really failing, you know, like are my kids, uh, are my kids respecting me? Are my kids obeying me? Am I managing my family well? Like, I don't know, it kind of remains to be seen. Um, and it says he must do so in a manner for worthy of full respect. Because there's times I'm tempted when my kids aren't obeying me to demand their obedience or to ensure their obedience. And then that, it's that, that part in a manner that's worthy of full respect. Well, I have some strategies that aren't respectable. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm tempted to employ some strategies when my kids don't obey that aren't uh, respectful. You know, and Paul's attentive to this. He said, you know, bring your children up in the Lord, but don't provoke them to anger. Uh, my daughters remind me of that sometimes. It's like, well, you're just, you get mad easy. It's not like I'm provoking. You just get, you just get mad easy. It's a tricky, this is a tricky situation. You know, uh, I love that he says this because he says, if anyone doesn't know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? You know, you don't have to look very far in our society to see to see people that are suffering, you see households that are suffering, uh, women that are suffering, children that are suffering from a man who doesn't meet these qualifications, right? Not given to drunkenness. But you see, you, you go to a household where the, lead, the, the, the man is given to drunkenness and you'll find pain, you'll find difficulty, you'll find suffering. You go to a household where he's quarrelsome, where he's violent, where he doesn't have self-control, where he's not vigilant and diligent and temperate or faithful to his wife, and you'll find brokenness. Our world is hurting. Our world is hurting, and to a large degree, it's due to a lack of male leadership. Households are hurting, children are hurting, families are hurting. It's not all laid at the feet. If you have a household in turmoil, it's not a guarantee that it's just because you, you know, it's all the man's fault. I'm not saying that. Men, I'm not laying condemnation on you. There's no condemnation. There's now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. But I am challenging you to step up, to aspire to be qualified to lead. And it begins in your household. It begins with the immediate circle around you. How do you steward it? How do you handle it? How do you lead? And coming from that place, is there an abundance of love, an abundance of peace, an abundance of resources that you're able to share with a needy world? We should aspire to be this man. We should aspire Women, we should aspire, you should aspire to be this person, to be this type of leader, to be this type of person. We should be ready. You know, when the pandemic kicked off, I remember it was very clear. I felt like it was a, a, a word and a challenge from the Lord. And, and I'm, I, it's one of those ways that I analyze myself. And there's, there's areas where I'm struggling. Um, but I, I felt it, there was a challenge that in this season we need to get our household in order so that we are as strong as we can be, that we can meet the needs of the world. 
Um, and that's in all areas of life. You know, I don't know that I'm as strong physically. I don't know that I, I'm, I'm stewarding my physical health as well as I ought to. That I can be strong. You know, your physical affects your mood. It affects your emotional. If you have health problems, you know it's hard to be patient. It's hard to be loving. It's hard to be kind. It's hard to have time to serve other people. And sometimes you have things, afflictions that are visited to you that aren't your fault, that aren't the consequence of your choices. But where they are, where your physical health is the consequence of your choices, we need to tighten up, tighten up the ship. You know, when you, when you exercise and you eat well and you care for your body, and it, here's how you know, did God make it? Then he call, did he call it good? You can put that in your body, you know. He made fruit. You know, he made animals. You know, he made some plants. I don't think he made uh, Mountain Dew and Reese's Peanut Butter Cups and Cheerios, you know. Uh, Cheetos, Doritos, okay. Uh, it's kind of simple, really. I mean, we know it's simple. But when you are eating healthy and you're getting good exercise, you have more energy. You feel better and you're in a place where you're more ready to serve. When your spiritual household is in order, you're ready to serve. When your marriage is in order, you're ready to serve. I'm blessed, like Shelly testified, I'm blessed with... uh, uh, an amazing wife, and I thank God for my marriage. But there's times when things aren't, there's not peace between us. And it's hard for me to consider or think about giving in any other ways when that, when my, when that part of my life is out of order. So we should aspire to be qualified to lead. Aspire to manage our household well. Are you tracking with me? <clears throat> he must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he'll not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect. So these are overseers and deacons are two uh, titles of leadership that Paul's establishing in the church. Um, it seems like they have a role of governance and a, it really they have a role of serving and drilling into like, you know, what their job description is. is he, he's more concerned at this moment with their character. Who can serve in these positions? Who's qualified to do this? It's not really he's not really giving us a what they do. Although he said lift up, you know, he wants us to pray, lifting up holy hands. He kind of gave us an order for the service. But he's concerned with the quality of their character, how they lead, how they live their lives, uh, as much as he is with what they do. So to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and if there's nothing against them, Let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife, 
must manage his children and household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and a great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Again, he's talking about about character. And so my challenge to you today is with Christ, of course, with the power of the Holy Spirit, whatever your starting point is today, to begin to sink your roots deep into Him so that you're a firm and steady place and you are strong and ready to serve when called upon, when the time arises. You don't have to aspire or be ambitious to be, uh, have a pastor in front of your name or have the title of bishop in front of your name or have any other title in front of your name, any other position, but aspire to have the quality of character to have your life in order so that you can meet the needs of the world in front of you. The things that God brings into your path, you're able and ready to deal with it. I told you I'm uh, skeptical of a reluctant leader, but I think even more uh, flawed and, and more disgraceful is the person who doesn't step up when the, when the occasion calls for it and they shrink back in fear. The writer of Hebrews says, we're not of those who shrink back. We have to have that balance right. We need to step into the occasion. The events that God allows to unfold in front of us, we need to be prepared to take action and serve the Lord in those places. We need to deal with our faults, our flaws, our weak places. So that when the occasion calls for it, we're not disqualified. He said here, um, that we need to be prepared so that we won't fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap when we do step up to lead. We need to prepare our household. So I, I especially my heart speaks to the, to the young fathers. I don't want to just, you know, uh, alienate a bunch of my audience to the young men but there's so many distractions today there's so many distractions Sunday mornings my phone gives me alert to tell me how much what my screen time was you know I get my screen time report uh, there's a generation just below me I mean just a couple years below me um, uh, that I don't understand I don't want to you know I don't want to call anybody out or embarrass anybody but they're uh, obsessed with gaming with, with video games, there's these, you know, these guys I talk to, and I don't want to shame them and embarrass them, but, you know, they, they, they come to work, and, or they're, they're, I encounter them, and they want to relay or relive how their video games went the night before. I, I want to I propose to you that that is a distraction, and uh, it's, it's leading you away from your calling. God's calling you to an adventure better than a video game. He's calling you to an adventure better than your sports team and the leagues that you follow, better than uh, watching IU basketball. He's calling you to an adventure. There are problems that need solved. There are leadership crises that, need, that have vacuums that need people to step in it, and your household desperately needs you to lead. And this is a good place to evaluate yourself. This is something to aim at. This is a target to aim at. It's not a one-time evaluation. It's not a pass or fail. This is something to aspire to 
and work toward whatever your season of life. Move from being a consumer to being a producer to being someone who shares with generosity the abundance that the Lord brings to your life. Does that make sense? It ends here, and I, I, I should have hit on this more perhaps because it kind of gives us the title of our whole series. Um, in verse uh, 14, he says, although Paul says, I, although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you these instructions so that if I'm delayed, you'll know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. This is why the character of the leadership matters, because the church is the pillar and foundation of truth. Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. And Paul ends with basically song lyrics. These are, I believe, lyrics to uh, maybe an early hymn of the early church. In verse 16, my version says, New International Version says, Beyond all question, others say without controversy. There's, there's truths that are essential that matter. It says, He appeared in the flesh. That's the incarnation. Christ came. He appeared in the flesh. He was vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and was taken up in glory. These are non-controversial truths, you know. Some leaders want to, want to, uh, they want to kind of uh, focus on the controversial aspects, the, the, the parts of, you know, their doctrine or their denomination that, that set them apart, that maybe are controversial, that aren't universally agreed on. But leadership should bring us to the foundation and pillar. They should continually point us to the message of the incarnation of Christ, that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. These are the foundational truths. And the leaders of the church should continually remind us of this and who they are, how they live their lives, how they conduct their business matters. It's not just, are they handsome? Do they dress nice? You know, do they work out all the time? Are they really fit? You know, do they have friends that are celebrities? Do they have power and influence in politics? You know, can they talk in fancy ways? Can they say uh, catchy phrases? Can they make you laugh? The character of your leaders matter. The character of your life matters to the people around you. You can step up into the situation that you're facing. Step into it. Walk with Christ and serve. Don't flee. Don't retreat. Don't avoid challenges. Take up the noble task of leading where God has placed you. I feel like that's the message that the Lord has for us today. There's opportunities in our times. There's opportunities in our times. And when things are dark, the light stands out the brightest, you know. I've traveled to the middle of Texas. Uh, we went to Big Bend National Park. It's a dark sky park. It's one of the darkest places. There's no light pollution. And people flock there because the stars stand out in that darkness. There's a need for leaders. There's a need for you to lead in the situation that you're in. And what matters the most is your character in that situation. Okay? You're not alone. It's not a pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Uh, I'll leave you with words I repeat often. is 
look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Look to Jesus. He was the author and perfecter. He will give you the strength to carry on. So I hope this is a challenging word, but encouraging word. God will give you what you need. Uh, last time I spoke, we talked about how uh, uh, everything pertaining to life, God has given us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. So we have the resources at our hands. And in 1 Peter 5, Peter was also writing about the elders. Um, and in verse 6, I want to leave you with this encouraging word. Uh, this was how he concluded, uh, First Peter, Peter concluded, First Peter chapter 5, he said, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and sober mind, and of sober mind your enemy the devil prowls like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because, you know, the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. This is this is a promise. And I want you to to receive this with hope. If you have problems that you're facing, if you have challenges you're facing. It says the God of grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you. He'll make you strong and firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Jesus himself will make you strong. He'll make you firm. He'll make you steadfast in your situation. He'll restore you. He'll visit you. I'll pray. God, as we look at this, uh, please help us to aspire to serve, aspire to serve your people. Let us take a hard look at our own lives, an honest look at our own lives, and let us confess our shortcomings. Let us seek you for strength and healing in the areas where we fail. And God, we ask you to visit us, to restore us, to strengthen us so that we can be prepared to do the works of service, the works of ministry, that we can meet the needs of the world. Lord, I ask you for the households represented here that you would strengthen them, that you would give us the character and the capacity, the skills and the heart to lead well. Not lead out of fear, not respond out of fear, not respond out of anger, not respond out of drunkenness, not respond out of lust, not respond out of envy not respond out of despair, but that we would respond to your love. That you would strengthen us. That we would have your character built up in us. Pray these things in Jesus' name.